Well, this morning, uh, we're going to continue with our sermon series we've been starting, uh, started earlier this month, um, and we're asking this question. We're asking the question, are we living like we believe it? There's a lot of different things that we believe as Christians, but are we living it out? And, and so far, we, we've talked about uh, resurrection. We've talked about what do we believe, how, what do we believe about God? What do we believe about salvation, about love? And today we're going to be looking at Scripture. I hope every day we're looking at Scripture, but we're looking at what we believe about Scripture today. And are we living like we believe it? So first of all, I just want to read what we believe about Scripture here at East Bend. It's on our website. It says, We believe the Bible is God's Word, which has been written down for us. While it was written through human hands, the Bible has been inspired by the Holy Spirit and can be completely trusted for instruction, correction, and training in the righteousness of God. So we believe, first of all, that the Word of God, the Bible, is the Word of God that's given through the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit gave the message to different people over the years. Uh, we have 66 books in our Bible, and each author was, was given the words by God. And so we know that this is God's Word. So our first point today is that God's Word was given through the Holy Spirit. And we can trust that this is the Holy Spirit. It says in Jeremiah, 30, 30 verse 2, it says, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Write in a book all the words I have spoken to you. In Galatians 1, Paul says this, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, or was, nor was taught it. Rather, I received it by the revelation of from Jesus Christ. So we can see over and over that the Bible it was, is not just a document that was written down, not just some guys writing some different things. They were inspired by the Holy Spirit. Each author received what God wanted them to say and write it down. And so this Bible, it's not, yes, it is written by people, but it is, it is given to us by God. And so that's why we call it God's Word, because it's, it is what God gave us, gave the people then, and now we can learn from it also. It says in, in 2 Peter 1.21, For prophecy never had its origin in human will, but prophets, through human, though human, spoke from God as though they were carried along by the Holy Spirit, so whoever spoke the message of God was carried along by the Holy Spirit, giving them what they were supposed to say or what they were supposed to write. And we know that, that the Bible is the written Word of God. We also know that Jesus is the Word of God. It says in John 1, 14, that the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. And we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. We know that Jesus is the Word of God. Jesus is the Word of God, but we also have the Word of God here. We have 
what Jesus, what God the Father, what the Spirit gave to people to write and say, and that we can now have it. And, and uh, it says in Hebrews, let's, let's look at this. So if you can just open to Hebrews chapter 4 with me to the Word of, Word of God. Hebrews chapter 4, we're going to see what it says about the Bible. What it says, and Hebrews is near the end of the Bible in the New Testament. And I won't make any reference to uh, something I learned when I was a kid about how to find it. But Hebrews uh, chapter 4, we're going to see this. And this is, this is talking about the, about the Sabbath rest for God's people. And then it talk, several, several other points here. And so in verse 11 it says, Therefore... Let us make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. And then it says in verse 12, For the Word of God is alive and active. It's it's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. And it says nothing in it, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him whom we must give an account. So it says here that the Word of God is alive. Can a book, I'll ask the kids, can a book be alive? Hmm, I've never seen a book do anything that looks like they're alive. Yes? Ah, okay. Okay, well mostly books are not alive. And it, my Bible doesn't seem like it's alive. It's never like walked to a different room. It's never said anything out loud to me. It's never asked if, I, if it can have some breakfast. You know, how's the, the Bible alive? Well, it's alive because it is God's Word. It's alive because it's what God says and what God uses in our lives. It says it's so sharp that it, it's sharper than any double-edged sword. Not just a regular sword, but a double-edged one. And double-edged swords, unless they're kind of getting dull, are usually pretty sharp. And so, what does it mean that the Bible, what does it mean that Scripture is sharper than even a really sharp sword? It knows because it's not it. It's the Word of God. The Word of God is the one who uses the Bible to teach us. Uses His words to correct us, to train us. It says that it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, to joints and marrow, and it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. God's Word convicts us. God's Word shows us about sin. 
but it also shows us that God is a loving God who graciously sent His Son to die on the cross to save us from our sins for all those who trust in the name of Jesus for their salvation. You know, I know many of us have several copies of this Bible. In fact, if you go to your bookshelf at home, you'll probably find several. Maybe you have one in different rooms of your house. You know, now with our phones, we also have, the, we have a chance to read the Bible wherever we are. If we have a smartphone and we use an app for a Bible app, and so we have access to the Bible. And maybe sometimes when we have so much access that sometimes the value goes down. You know, there's different stories. Uh, Corey Tin Boone in, in, in uh, Nazi Germany that, would, that she would have just a, a page of the Bible. And, and she, she valued it so much because it was God's Word. There's people around the world right now that don't have Bibles. There's people that are praying for Bibles. They value the Word of God. I'm not trying to say we don't value the Word of God, but let's, let's value the Word of God. Let's cherish the Word of God. You know, sometimes when we're looking at, at old pictures or videos, we get excited about, oh, remember how it used to be like this? Or remember when they were, the kids were this young? Or remember this, this person or that? You know, those memories are really special and we can cherish them. But especially if someone passes on and we have some pictures and we have some videos, we have some memories of things that they said, those things become extra special to us because it's something that was passed down to us. Something that we still have. Well, for thousands of years, this Bible has been preserved. Not this literal, this book, but it was copied and copied and copied. The Bible has been around for a long time, but the Bible is God's Word. And the Bible is God's Word given to us, and we can have, we, we have access to it. We have it in our language. Some people don't have the Bible in their language. Isn't that sad? That they can't read the Bible because it's in a different language. But I'm going to ask the question. Do we live like we believe this? Do we live like we believe that the, that the Bible is God's Word? That it's given to us through the Holy Spirit? Do we live in a way that we cherish the Bible and that we read it, that we memorize it, that we meditate on it day and night like we heard earlier in Psalm 1? Do we trust that the Bible is God's Word and do we value it? You know, we can trust that the Bible is God's Word and we can trust the Bible because we trust God. In Psalm 33, verse 4, it says, For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. We've been talking a lot about the confession of faith that we believe in. And the confession of faith in the Mennonite perspective, this is what Ivana Network uses 
as our guiding principles, as our what we believe in, as our um, the, the different articles of what we believe about Christianity, about Jesus, about the Word of God, about salvation, about the Holy Spirit. There's a there's a summary statement that's in the back there under in the in the table back there. Um, I encourage you to be to be reviewing those. There's also a link on our website that you can see that too. But but what it says in Article Four, it starts out this way. We believe that all Scripture is inspired by God through the Holy Spirit for the instruction in salvation, in training in righteousness. We accept the Scriptures as God's word and as fully reliable and trustworthy standard for Christian faith and life. So our second point today is that we believe that Scripture is completely trustworthy. That there's, because we can trust in God, because we do trust God, we trust what He said. You know, it's trustworthy, it says here, for instruction, for for correction, for training in righteousness. And, in, and that comes from 2 Timothy 3. And it's on the slide. 2 Timothy 3, 15-17 says, And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which you were able to, were able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And Paul says to Timothy, all Scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Bible is, is not just pages of words, but it was God-breathed. The Holy Spirit gave this to the authors. Gave this and they wrote it down. And we can trust the Bible, the God-breathed Scripture. It's trustworthy. It's true. It teaches us about God. It teaches us about sin and the human condition. It teaches us about the salvation in Jesus Christ. It teaches us about how to live a life with Jesus. It's also, it rebukes and corrects us in, so that we live according to God's Word and also trains us to live in God's way. So it is completely trustworthy. And, but maybe you're wondering, I've heard, you know, maybe it, from people at work, from a professor, I've heard it from some places, that, can you really trust the Bible? Can you really trust all of the Bible? Maybe you can believe some of the Bible. Can you really believe it all? In the commentary section of, of this Confession of Faith, it says, we recognize the 39 books of the Old Testament and the 27 books of the New Testament as belonging to the inspired Scripture. What we call the Old Testament was accepted by Israel as the standard of, for, for faith and life in three stages over several centuries. The law, the prophets, and the writings. The Old Testament, the Gospels, and the Pauline letters, and gradually the rest of the New Testament were broadly recognized by the church as the Holy Scripture in the 4th century. 
So we know, and that's, that's end quote there, um, we know that the Old Testament was used in three parts. It was the law, the prophets, and the writings. And this is called the Torah, or the Tanakh. The Torah is the part of the law. And, and this scripture was used, and we know it's scripture because it was, first of all, Jesus Christ referred to scripture. He referred to the writings of the Old Testament. The New Testament, the books were written, they, they, they used these different criteria for the New Testament. They were, these books were included if it was written by an apostle or one closely associated with apostle. So, you know, like for example, um, the apostles were the sent ones, the ones, the disciples of Jesus plus Paul. Um, like, for example, Mark, the Gospel of Mark wasn't written by an apostle, but it was written by Mark, who was a buddy and a close friend of Peter. Okay? Um, also, so it's either written by an apostle or somebody close to an apostle. It's inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's helpful for all believers, not just a few. And it is universally recognized by the church in their teaching and preaching ministry. So it's not just that they had to be like one of these things. They had to be all four. And there's a lot of other books that, that matched two or three of these, but they didn't meet all four of these criteria. And so some of you might wonder, well, what about, I've heard about these other books that maybe the, that other people use and say is, is part of the Bible, like, like the Catholic Church. Um, these books, the books that are not included in our Bible, are called the Apocrypha, and they don't follow this, this full criteria of being recognized uh, by an apostle, by the whole church, helpful for all the believers, and inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so we have these 66 books of the Bible, and we can trust them the inspired Word of God. We can trust that each of these books have been talked about, prayed about for hundreds of years, and they included these as the Scriptures. So we know that the Scripture is completely trustworthy. We know that the Scripture is God's Word given by the Holy Spirit. And we know that the Bible... So that was the second point, that it was completely trustworthy. And we know the Bible is the source of truth. And what we believe about Scripture here at East Bend, it's on our website again, in our statement of faith, that we acknowledge that Scripture is the authoritative source and standard for preaching and teaching about faith and life, for distinguishing truth from error, for discerning between good and evil, and for guiding prayer and worship. So there's that, that Hebrews 4.12 that we were looking at earlier. It's that Scripture is, is helping us know truth from error. It's dividing this even different parts of the soul and spirit. It's very sharp. It helps us to know what's right and wrong. It helps us in the way we worship, in the way we preach, in the way we live with our faith. The, so our third point today is that we believe that Scripture is the authoritative source and standard we live by. When we don't have, if we don't have a standard, then kind of anything goes. And some people don't have standards. They don't 
they don't have an authoritative source, or they don't have a standard, and they are like the chaff that the wind blows around. Right? Like we saw in earlier, Psalm 1. But when we have a standard that we live by, when we have a standard, there's this, this picture that Psalm 1 talks about. This tree that's planted by streams of water. And, and this, this tree is flourishing because it's abiding in, this, in the, the water that's right there. It's abiding in Christ. It's abiding in the, in the Word of God. And, and we have this authoritative source and the standard that we live by. It helps us in our preaching and teaching about faith and life and distinguishing truth from error. It helps us in discerning between good and evil in how we worship and how we pray. In Article 4, again, of the Confession of Faith, it says that the Bible is the essential book of the church. Through the Bible, the Holy Spirit nourishes nurtures the obedience of faith to Jesus Christ and guides the church in shaping its teaching, witnessing, and worship. We commit ourselves to persist and delighting in reading, studying, and meditating on the Scriptures. Are we, do we do that? Are we living like we really believe that the, the Scripture is trustworthy? Are we really living like we believe that the Scripture gives us delight, gives us joy, gives us abiding in Jesus? That are we meditating on God's Word day and night? That sounds like a lot, doesn't it? It sounds like almost kind of weighty, like we have to, man, I'm, I'm a bad person, or I'm not a really good Christian if I don't spend all day and all night in meditating on God's Word. That's not what I'm trying to say. What I want you to hear is that we have this opportunity because we have the Word of God. We have this opportunity to open it. This opportunity to know what God says about things. We have this opportunity to, to memorize His words. We have the opportunity to, to live by His words, to to pray through the Scripture. That when, we, when we pray, we can pray Scripture. We have the Word of God. Are we cherishing the Word of God? Do we value the Word of God? Are we delighting in the Word of God, which is delighting in the Lord? And I don't want this to sound like this is something you better hurry up and do. You better get better. You better do more. You better read the Scripture more. But even if you haven't read the Bible by yourself in a while, Jesus is so happy when you open, your, open His Word. He's so happy when you choose time, take time, even if it's just a few minutes, to abide in Him. He's not saying, where have you been? He's not saying, I can't believe you don't know the order of the books. I can't believe you don't know all the, everything about the Bible. No, He just wants... A relationship with you and he speaks to us through his word it says in in the article four that we participate in the church's task of interpreting the bible and of discerning what god is saying 
in our time by examining all things in light of Scripture. Insights and understandings which we bring to the interpretation of Scripture to be tested in the faith community. So we, we, bring, we live according to the Word. We live knowing and trusting God's Word. And when there's things that come up in our life, we go to the Word. We ask, Lord, show me what to do. Show me how, you know, there's a lot of topics in our world today that are not in the Bible. Sometimes I just wish it would be really clear. Like, is this right or this wrong? I wish there would just be a verse this and we could just tell everybody else. Well, it was not in the Bible. But we know the character. We know who God is. We know his character and what he expects. So let's be in the word. Let's be spending time with Jesus. Let's be abiding in him. So that we can, not just so we can know what to do, but we know how to live. In 1936, a time when a ruthless dictator and his followers challenged God, challenged the church, and challenged the Bible. We can guess who that is in Germany. There was a, a, a man named Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and he wrote this to his brother-in-law. It's on the, it's on the slide. It says, he says, first of all, I will confess quite simply, I believe that the Bible alone is the answer to all of our questions. And that we need only to ask repeatedly and a little humbly in order to receive this answer. One cannot simply read the Bible like other books. One must be prepared, really, to inquire of it. Only thus it will reveal itself. So he's saying that we, his brother-in-law, and really to all of us, we can ask this question. We, we can ask, is it in the Bible? Is the, all my problems that I have in the world, is it in the Bible? Diedrich Bonhoeffer was in a, when a real problem. There was a dictator that was doing all kinds of terrible things. But it doesn't say anything about, in the Bible about exactly all the things that were happening. But he says that we can, we can trust that the Bible alone has the answer to all of our questions. But it's not like we just read this book and just like any other book. There's many scholars that have studied and studied and studied the verses and pages, the books of this, of this book, of the scriptures. But just because they read it doesn't mean that they believe it. Just because you have a copy of the Bible doesn't mean you read it, doesn't mean you believe it. But I hope that we can go to the Lord through His Word and open the Bible you know, in January, a lot of times we talk about, hey, th this is a new chance to, to, to set some goals, to be in, the, be in the Scripture every day, to read, you know, a Bible reading plan. Uh, my friend Andrew that was visiting here today, he sent me this thing from a, a satire article 
a satire website called Babylon Bee. And I have a picture of it. It says, a progressive pastor introduces a one-year don't-read-your-Bible plan. Now, this is a joke. It's not really happening, but the idea of it could be happening. And what, she sa- what this uh, pastor says is, simply keep the Word of God closed with all its bigotry and intolerance and believe whatever you want. Christ accepts all people. What could be easier? It says in the article, again, made-up article, it says that she repeatedly came up with, or reportedly came up with the plan after hearing about the martyrs of the early church. And she said, when it, then it struck me, if all those people would have just quit reading the Bible and quit believing the Bible, they would have never been killed. In fact, I'm told that there were these crazy people in China still dying over wanting to read the Scripture. My plan is to keep the Bible shut. Could literally save lives. These poor people have the whole world to gain. Now, of course, this is, this is just a spoof. But she says a lot of things that, that make sense to the world, not to believers. But yeah, the Bible, the Bible is what we need. The Bible is valuable. The Bible is the source of life because it is God's Word. And yeah, if you close the Bible and never read it, you're going to probably live however you want. But when we open the Bible and we ask the Lord, show me what you want me to do today. Show me what you have for me today. Help me to meditate on your Word. Help me to memorize your Word. You know, the way we... we approach the Bible with a, a prayerful and a humble approach. Uh, there's a Bible reading plan I've, I've been doing this year, and they, they've been asking, they, they tell us each day to ask these, these prayers. First, God, give me wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Let any knowledge I gain serve to help me love you and others more, not to puff me up. Help me to see something new about you, God, that I've never seen before. Please correct any lies I believe about you or anything I misunderstood. Lord, direct my steps according to your word. You know, as I've been doing that this year, I know it's only 29 days into it, but as I've been doing that this year and just really coming to the Lord with these, these prayers, and it's not a perfect formula of prayer. It's just this idea of being humble before the Lord. Prayer, being prayerful, not just opening the Word of God and like, oh, I, got, I, got, I read today, check. By the way, you know, re, if, if reading, sometimes people say, well, I don't have time to read the Bible. Well, if you drive to work, you can listen to the Bible. It's crazy what these smartphones can do. And listening to the Bible maybe isn't the same for you as reading the Bible, but it is bringing the Bible, bringing God's Word into you.
Now, I want, to, I want to just say one caution here. The Bible can be prescriptive or it can be descriptive. So, just because something is in the Bible doesn't mean that we are supposed to do every piece of it. Or if, you know, there's something, it, sometimes it's just showing that people do wrong things. People make wrong choices. It doesn't mean we should copy those people. Those are descriptive of what's happening. It's not prescriptive. We need to follow in those examples. So, we have to be careful how we approach the Bible. So do we, do we live like we believe this? Do we live like we believe that God's Word is the authoritative source and standard that we live by? Do we commit ourselves to delighting in the Word? To studying the Word? To meditate on Scriptures? To memorize Scripture? Even if it's hard, we can journal Scripture. There's all kinds of ways. We can sing Scripture like we were doing this morning. There's lots of, lots of ways that we can be taking in the Word of God and listening to what the Lord is wanting for us. So we believe that Scripture is God's Word given by the Holy Spirit. It's completely trustworthy that the Scripture is the authoritative source and standard we live by. Uh, C.H. Spurgeon said, A Bible which is falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. Psalm 1, 1 3 says, Blessed is the one who does not step, who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and whose leaf does not wither. And whatever they do, prospers. That's our encouragement. To delight in the Lord. To delight in His Word, what He's given to us, because we know it's trustworthy. And it's a standard. It gives life to us. So I hope as we look at this, are we living like we believe it? I hope we are. I hope we are living like we believe this. And I hope that we cherish the Word of God and I hope we delight in the Lord and delight in seeing how God works and grows in our life, yielding its fruit in its season. That God is working His fruit. He's making something new in us because we are abiding in Him and delighting in the Lord. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You that You have given us this, this Bible, that we can know Your Scripture, that we can know more about You, Jesus. I pray as we approach the Bible, hopefully most days of the week or, or often, Lord, I pray that we can approach the Bible by delighting in in you, Lord, by being humble, by being prayerful, by cherishing your words. And Lord, we pray most of all that we would be people that know your word. 
and not just know it, but we would obey it. And please help us to not feel guilty, but to just be encouraged to be in your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.